I wanted to write a murder mystery full of dead bodies and blood stains and fingerprints and policemen. And it kind of reflected my state of mind. But uh, strangely, and maybe I think because I spent so much time with children, the book that popped out of me was a book for children. Hello, hi, this is your host Simran Chaudhary and we are back with our season 2 of Writing Your First Book where we are going to dive deeper into the process of writing, publishing, marketing and much more. That too, straight from the exports. So stay tuned and keep learning. Hi Shabnam, welcome to our season 2 of Writing Your First Book. How are you feeling? A little nervous and a little thrilled. <laughs> combination. Same here, but we are very excited and, you know, interested to know more about you, about writing journey, about how have you written books for children and every other small detail for it. Uh, Shabnam, I know a little bit about you that you have worked as journalist with Times of India and you write food columns, book reviews and features for business, DNA and Times of India. And your first book for kids was The Six Spellmakers of Dorbadi Streets which has won Kids' Choice Award, award used as many, used as a subject, uh, as a chapter in schools and ha- also been converted into a play. And you have written almost 25 books. I think there's a lot more to know about you. So I would request you to give us a brief about yourself. So it's always difficult to talk about oneself because you have to straddle that fine line between saying enough and not saying too much. Um, but I'm a Mumbaikar, a hardcore Mumbaikar. Uh, when I was 10, I decided I wanted to be a writer. And uh, it was strange. It was uh, just one of those things that popped into my head in school one day when I was in a moral science class. I don't know if you had moral science in school, but it was one of those classes where you had to think about doing the right thing and being a good person and being a well-behaved person you know, saying please and thank you. Yeah. And we had this dreadful little workbook that we had to fill in the fifth standard. And one day the page was my future self. And one of the questions was, when I grow up, I will be. And everybody around me was giggling and saying things like acrobat and uh, cricketer and, you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And suddenly a light bulb went off in my head and I thought, actually, the one thing I really want to be is a writer. And strangely, that kind of goal sat in front of me through my education and through my growing years. And it was the thing I moved towards quite determinedly. Yeah. But of course, when you get out of college, uh, you can't say, okay, now I want to write a book. It just didn't feel right. So I decided to pursue writing in another field. And that was journalism. So I was with Times of India for 10 years, uh, after which... Uh, uh, life took a very dramatic U-turn and I had three children very quickly. And uh, journalism didn't really work because it was very difficult to dump everything and go running to cover a train accident when you had three toddlers and babies at home. Yeah. Of, uh, you know, having to be changed, nappies changed and food fed and crying stopped. And so that's how I sort of stumbled into the world of writing books for children. So like you said, uh, because of that, you thought of journalism won't continue in that case. So any anything that motivated you to write for kids, what was the motivation behind this? You know, I if you've seen a mom with one child, you know that they're pretty stuck in a world of children. So I had an older one, was two, and then I got twins. Okay. So for those three or four years of my life, it was babies back to back. Like my life was carpeted with kids. If one had fever, one needed to be sent to school. The other one uh, um, needed to be changed to be sent to play downstairs. So really my world shrank into this world of children. And I stopped being a journalist. But at that point, I just was a full-time mummy. And a very bored and irritable mummy after a bit. Because how many duties can you mash and how much kitchen can you try to shove into unwilling mom? Yeah, And I was getting very grumpy. You know, around that point, I started to think there's only one thing that people expect of me at this point. They don't expect fantastic breaking news stories in the newspaper. They don't expect uh, fantastic features, uh, uh, trend stories about, you know, about new things happening in the city. All they expect me to do is keep three children 
moderately clean, moderately well-fed, and sort of semi-alive. So, um, you know, I, I realized that what I had really always wanted to do was write a book. And I thought, maybe this is my chance to get down to it. So when the three babies were put to bed, I started writing my book. I would actually go to the kitchen because the house was full of sleeping people and then sit against the fridge and start writing. And my plan was not to write a book for children, not at all. I wanted to write a murder mystery full of dead bodies and blood stains and fingerprints and policemen. And it kind of reflected my state of mind. But uh, strangely, and maybe I think because I spent so much time with children, the book that popped out of me was a book for Mm. children. You know, the other thing that happened in my life is we didn't have a team. We're a determinedly non-television household. And uh, so a lot of the time, a lot of the activities I did with my children were reading. Yeah, I would read to them during lunch. I would read to them during dinner. I would read to them when they were bored. I would read to them when I wanted them to go to school. So in a sense, I think I read more children's books as a mother than I read as a child. And maybe the rhythm of writing for children kind of stuck in my head. And I, but I can't tell you how disgusted I was. When the first sentence I wrote, you know, there's, I'm determined to write this book. I started writing a book, in fact, but it was dreadful, an adult book. Um, and then I started writing The Six Spellmakers of Dorabji Street. And the first line I wrote was, in Cozy Castle, there lived a dragon, uh, a court jester, and a wicked old crow, or something along those lines. And I thought to myself, this doesn't sound like an adult murder mystery. What is going on? What was going on was, I guess, a book for children. Yeah. Six Spellmakers of Dorabji Street. It was a book that was uh, set in Kolaba in Mumbai because that was the world that I inhabited and inhabit still. It was a story about these six children in a building, in a very Mumbai building, a small apartment complex. And they're having a wonderful summer holiday, you know, playing cricket, breaking people's window panes. Uh, uh, the girls are climbing trees and eating a fruit called Bimli, which gives them a very sore throat. But there are two people in the building who don't like it at all. Two old ladies, a lady of the third floor named Mrs. Potadia and a lady on the ground floor named Mrs. Braganza. <laughs> These two old ladies who haven't spoken to each other for some 27 years join hands to make the children unhappy. And they decide to cut down the bimli trees in the garden and to ban cricket in the compound. And the book is essentially about how the children decide that they have to battle this. The cricket in the compound, they decide we'll tackle later. But if our trees get cut down, what will happen? Hmm. And of course, they approach the police and they approach the BMC. But there's no help from the adult world. And that is when they try to approach uh, unconventional uh, 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 people, unconventional sources. And they try to employ a little bit of magic. And essentially, that was what the book was about. So like you said, you, you tried writing for an for adult and then you you thought that it is not an adult book and then you shifted to a kid's book. And after that, you have written almost 12 books for kids. So, so I'm an accidental writer for children. It okay. was never a plan. Okay. So so even after writing few books, you thought of writing for kids only or, or you somewhere thought of, okay, now I think I should shift to adults when my kids are grown up. I can I can think in that way. I'll tell you, I'll explain how, you know, I became a writer for children. Six Spellmakers, for me, in my head, was clearly a one-off book. It was a story that came, partly it was an ode to the two trees that I had in my garden, which were cut down, when, okay. and which I really mourn even today. So in my way, it, my, it was my little way of keeping them alive, if not yeah. in a physical form, in another way. I never imagined that this would be the life I would lead. I was very entrenched in the world of journalism and I fully intended to go back. What happened was my book, I was very active in the library of the school which my children joined. So one day I was in the library and shelving books and a whole bunch of kids came and said, Auntie, we read six spellmakers. I said, oh, very nice. I'm so happy. Did you like it? We loved it. But now we have a request for you. We wanted to write a book set in a Mumbai school. Okay. So I said, okay, I mean, I tried. I went back and I thought about it, but uh, I, I wasn't sure something would come out. 
then I used to put my children to sleep and I used to tell them stories every night. So one night I was telling them about how when I was in school, when teachers were extremely boring. Now, I, I don't know if your school had this rule, but whenever a teacher walked in, you had to stand up and say, Good morning, Mrs. Joshi. And then when the teacher was leaving, they all had to stand up and say, Good morning and thank you, Mrs. Joshi. Yeah, we all and used was, to sing that. Yeah. So I was saying to children that when the class was particularly nasty, we would all stand up and say, and my girl sounded very funny. <laughs> Strangely, for some reason, I just came, opened a new file and wrote that line on the computer. Went to bed. The next morning, I woke up and I had this entire world, the school, these girls in my head. And I started writing. Okay, again, that was another book. That I just thought, okay, I'm writing another book. But other publishers began to contact me and say, why don't you give up? It is short. Why don't, you know, we read this book and we thought maybe you could do a book for us. Hmm. And this, and gave me the kind of book they were looking for. And it was just amazing. I think like magic, really, like in a children's book, soon I had more uh, work than I knew what to do with. Yeah. So before I could finish a book, somebody would have told me, and why don't you try a funny middle, middle grade series? And that's how my Nimi series was born. Uh, then one day I was in my, the library of my college, which is St. Xavier's College in Mumbai. Uh, and because I was writing a book for college on 140 years, yeah. the college had just turned 140 years and the principal called me and requested me to do the text for the book that they were bringing up. And, you know, when I was sitting in the college, something in the library, something really strange happened. It was a hot summer day. Exams had just gotten over, so any sensible college kid was out in the canteen drinking Ganga Jamuna, Saraswati juice, or eating fried rice, or whatever. It was me and the librarian at the library. And it was a really hot day. The library of Xavier's is a beautiful place, you know, yeah. it's a huge room. And the sun pours in from these tall windows, you know, old windows. But there's a lot of light. Anyways, I was working away on my computer and I thought it was me and the sleepy librarian and I looked this horrendous shot. I mean, literally my heart stopped beating because I saw somebody standing right in front of me. It was a girl. Okay. But I thought she had horns coming up for her. And I was panicked. Okay, I mean, I was literally panicked. Now, think, I'm a mother of three. I'm pretty, like in my 30s, I think by then. You don't uh, sort of see these things and you don't misbehave and start screaming. I almost screamed. Luckily for me, I stared at this girl and I thought, okay, one minute, this was a trick of light. But she had that moment of fear. Yeah. It it was all in my head, but that fear was so real. It stayed with me and stayed with me and stayed with me. And I kept asking myself, what if that girl really had horns coming out of her head? <laughs> and that is, with that question, just with that question, my young, first young adult book, which is called What Maya Saw, was born. And, you know, so I started collecting little incidents and anecdotes and many of them just gave birth to more and more books. And I think that's how I became a writer for children. It's all very strange. Yeah, like you just explained how you wrote first book and then the kids came to you and they asked for the second book. And for the third yeah. book, the publisher came and once yes. you, you finished the third, the other came on and asked for you for something else. So I think this way, you, you wanted to write something but you wanted to be an author, but children's book came to you directly that please be author for children's book and start and, and you know, generate some or make some great books for us so that kids can also enjoy reading. You're absolutely right. And you know, the funny thing is I still want to write my adult detective books, okay? But somehow I'm just, I, I keep planning, okay, the next book is going to be for adults, but it still hasn't happened. So I just finished a book which is now being considered, you know, young adult to adult. It's like a romance. Yeah. It uh, some part of it is historical, part of it is contemporary. Uh, the contemporary part is set against the, the the CA protests. So it's slightly political in the sense that the girl and the boy have different political views and hmm. you know a different worldview. Yeah. And the old romance is set in 1935. And it's actually based on the pages of a diary that my, that my cousin found when her grandmother died. Yeah. 
This was my granny's sister. When she passed away, she gave some pages to my cousin. And years later, my cousin read it and it was incredible. We realized that this old lady who had been then, of course, in 1935, a young girl of about 19, uh, had had this, she was a Muslim girl, right? Can you imagine that she must have lived this life within veils and pardas? She had this huge flaming romance with a boy across the landing from her. Somebody, somebody in the building, a Hindu boy. Yeah. And the diary sort of mentions that romance. And we, we were amazed. I think we found it very, very exciting. And my cousin said, do something with this scan. <laughs> and I said, of course, it's magic. And so this new book, it's coming out in May. That is, I think, just verging on the, you know, so it's children going to adults. Mm. That, that project. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think writing a book or creating something, uh, it's from your imagination to its actual piece, uh, piece where you can touch feel and read it and you know think about it it's 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 a kind of magic only you're you're making it happen yeah 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 absolutely and i'll tell you i mean when i held my first book in my hand six spell makers i had flown to delhi for bookaru and i hadn't seen the book till then and I, uh, there was some function going on and my editor came and she shoved it into my hand and said see literally it felt like holding baby number four you know, uh-huh. that same magic, seriously. It was very exciting. Yeah, I, I, even I can... now, when the books, new books come out, one book is on its way. It's just gotten published and can't wait. <laughs> I literally can't wait. Yeah. I can, I, I can see that excitement from your face and the way you are yeah. expressing it. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> and Shabnam, that you just told that uh, you have finished a book from a uh, young to young adults, or and you have written a book for adults as well. And yes. have written many books for kids. If I have to ask, what is the difference between the process of writing for kids and for adults? How it is different from each other? And what are the things which do not match in the process? You know, so I'll tell you, when I write for children, there's one very important thing that I do. Hmm. And I try to go back in time, not to remember what happened when I was a child, because my books are contained. Hmm. So they would really mirror what's happening in the lives of young people to remember how I felt as a child. And I think, I don't know if you agree with me, I don't know if many people agree with me, but I feel that somewhere, we keep talking about how childhood is this wonderful, happy place. It is. Not entirely, because I feel children do feel quite powerless in a world run by adults. And emotions, I feel, as a child are also very heightened. So it's a tiny, cruel gesture. You know, uh, Miss Trunchbull and Matilda, or Mrs. Kotadia and Six Well Makers, they're not they're not villains of the Voldemort kind. They're not villains of the, you know, Joker in Batman mm. type. Mm. But they do the small mean things that can really wound a child. And yeah. I try to remember those emotions of my own emotions as a child and write about them. So whenever I you know, I try to think how would I have felt? And for me that is a very powerful tool because that kind of uh, gives my children Child, children characters and emotional heft and emotional credibility. Mm. And I do, and a lot of it also comes from observation of my own children and their friends okay. and how they react to circumstances. And honestly, as my children grow up, I feel a little worried because I feel uh, I'm losing touch in a way with a very valuable uh, source of information and uh, uh, sort of emotion. Yeah. So I, and there's a very famous writer, Anthony Horowitz, he started his career writing books for children and has now switched largely to books for adults. And somebody in an interview asked him, why? And he said, think about it. My sons have grown up. My grandchildren haven't yet come. Where do I get my material? Where do I know whether I'm being true to what I'm writing? Yeah. So, so you know, I think so. writing for children really involves being connected with your past self and being connected with children. Hmm. Writing for adults comes easier in some sense for an adult, because you live in an adult world, right? You never get out of the adult world, whereas circumstances push you out of a children, a yeah. child's world. Uh, children, I love writing for children also because they accept something like magic, something like fantasy, or even reality with with the slight twist. Very calmly. You're not going to argue with it. They're willing to take 
the magical and the real all together. They're much more uh, accepting and tolerant. They're much more tolerant of characters as well. You know, they will accept a flawed character much more easily than an mm-hmm. adult will. And I like my characters to be, I wouldn't say flawed exactly, but to be mixed. I don't like paragons. I don't like people who are all very good and I don't like people who are all very bad. Yeah. Even the worst characters, uh, barring, you know, some really murderous psychopaths who boil the heads of their victims or something, everyone has redeeming features and everyone has a backstory that has made them what they are. Correct, yeah. And I think children from the from their gut understand that. Adults, I think, have become hardened by circumstances. So the books you write for adults, so one book I have really written for adults is a non-fiction book. It's on the area of Mumbai that I live in. An area called Kolab. Yeah, so it's part history, part stories, part uh, personal anecdotes. And I had a lot of fun too, loads and loads of fun. But I was so scared about returning to the world of adults. And in a way, what I did was keep thinking that I want children to be able to read this book too. So I kept it very, very chatty. Uh, yeah, and uh, it worked for the adults. So maybe you know, I don't know. I, I have to understand better. I think the other thing that children don't have patience with is very self-involved writing. You know, mm. if you keep on doing huge descriptions, your kid is yeah. going to pick up that book and mommy return it to the library. Uh-huh. You didn't like this book. Why you bought it for me? Why didn't you just buy Percy Jackson? You know. So that is a, a discipline that writers for children have. Mm. Your story has to move. Story has to flow and it has to be engaging. The child is not going to go through some Huge ruminations of the main character about yeah. should I have done this, shouldn't I have done this? Are Papa, you've done it. Move on. Correct. Yeah. And so that pacing is very important in children's books. But but if I have to ask, who do you think which which writing process is complicated, whether it's kids or for the adults? Because whenever we read a book, being an adult, we read books for kids. We feel very, you know, it's happy, sweet, and good story going on and everything but when we shift to adults it's, it's something more tragic complicated yeah. or something so is it the same with the writing as with probably yes so you know so right now I inhabit this children's world kind of space though I would say my last book the one I was telling you about the young adult to adult one is darker and darker but it's more serious it's less obviously happy um you know, in some cases, a happy ending just simply wasn't possible. Hmm. So, yeah. uh, it just, uh, yeah. So, you're right. Well, an adult's book can be happy. Yeah. But definitely, uh, you bring in more issues that more are more elements. serious, that are more uh, difficult to resolve in the next five minutes, right? It's impossible Correct. to sort out the kind of issues that adults face. Uh the, your magic, your fairies are not going to come and sort that out. And yeah. sometimes in a children's book, you can do that. So, yeah, I think, so let's put it like this. Right now, I write children's books. I'm very comfortable in that space. I do absolutely want to write fiction for adults now. Um, and I'm nervous about making that jump. I'm also nervous because, because like I said, pacing for children is a, is a quick thing. With, with adults, perhaps you should be a little more, uh, contemplative in your writing and to get into that space mind space i'm not sure i'll be able to do it but i will try definitely i think that book will come out very well because from shifting to a different perspective will have a fresh Mm -hmm. mindset and you know something new and maybe what if we can read uh, adults problem solving in a different manner yeah that that could be that could be one thing Shabnam, like you said, you enjoy doing and, and you, you are comfortable in writing for kids. The question next is, I, I believe it is very, you have to go into the imaginative world when you're writing for yes. kids. You have to be in that world. And with every new book, you have to create a different world and every other thing. So if you're creating similar kind of stories, then kids will say, okay, it's, it's very similar to the previous one. There's nothing new to it because they get bored very easily. It's very hard to engage them in new things. Right? So, how yeah. do you create the universe for them, the imagination universe? You know, to some extent, I'm truly lucky because I live, I believe, in one of the most wonderful cities in the world. I'm a hardcore Mumbai girl. I love my city. 
and Mumbai throws up the most amazing things on a daily basis. You know, just okay. have to walk on the road and you'll see something that will feed your story, that will, feed, that will seed your story, that will throw up uh, an observation that that so that gets you thinking. Hmm. Oops, but um, uh, yeah, creating the universe, of course, is not. Uh, it, it takes time. So, for yeah. example, six spell makers were set in a uh, in a building in hmm. Kolaba. It was, in a sense, the building I grew up physically. Yeah. But what I did was I sat and drew up the building. Then in each flat, I put down the names of the families that were living because it was six stories and two flats per uh, story. So there were uh, sort of about 12, 14 residents. Of and I put the names. Then I, I took my, one of my daughter's old Hindi notebooks and in each page, I wrote uh, details about the families that Okay, so suppose Mr. Polatkar lives on first floor, Mr. Sabatekar lives on second floor, Mr. Singh lives on third floor, you know, and they, each of them are a little bit of, okay, two children, uh, what they do professionally. Now, remember, of these people, many didn't even make it to them. Okay, they just never came. Some came into the book just for two or three lines. Yeah. But for me, that building became so real that in, you know, in the in the narrative when the children were say running down the stairs, I could literally say, "Okay, they're passing Mr. Sapatikar's house. They're passing Mr. Singh's house." You know, it was that realistic for me. And I think if it is very vivid for you, hmm. it translates to the children. Yeah, I'm that way. A bit of a, I'm a, I am a bit of a careful writer, hourly writer, even you could say. I try to stick to the world I know. So. Six spellmakers were set in the building I grew up in and still live in today. Uh, what Maya saw was set in my college, uh, St. Xavier's College, though I changed the name to St. Paul's College. But the physical, uh, you know, it's so much easier when you have a bare-bone skeleton. Yeah. To, uh, and then, of course, I changed things around. Everything was different and everything was the same. So you play around with fiction. And that is the joy of fiction. But it was there. But so again, I drew. St. Paul's College out on, on like this big sheet of paper, said, okay, the chapel is, I know where the real things are. But in my college, things changed around because they had to, it's a clue hunt. Yeah. So the girl had to go looking for clues within the college and then within the city. Hmm. So the city, I wanted to be completely realistic. So every Mumbai clue that is in that book is a Mumbai landmark. The college, I moved around a little. So they have gargoyles in the college. But I made my gargoyles represent uh, the seven deadly sins and made one of them a clue. You know, so little, little tweaks like that. So, okay. uh, similarly, um, I'm trying to think. Okay, so Nimi, my Nimi series, it's four books so long now. She lives in Kafkari. So it, mm. that's not a place I lived in, but a lot of my friends growing up lived there. And she spent a lot of time in a school because it's essentially a school series. So the school, I was very careful about creating. So I, I knew all the teachers. The principal of the school is a man named Mr. Bakshi who speaks in a very booming voice. So everybody calls him booming Mr. Bakshi. <laughs> the booming. And uh, then there's a very wild teacher called Miss Atmaja who's as pale as a vampire and wears starched brown saris. So all of that is very, you know, it's there. And Nimi, because the books keep growing, have to be very careful. Yeah. So, you know, so I have this master description of the school of Mr. Bakshi, of Ms. Atmaja, of Nimi and her friends herself, of course, the two really naughty boys, Rohan and Imran, uh, the bullying boy, Sumit, uh, Nimi's former best friend, Sophia, who has now turned into half a zombie, half a Barbie, what Nimi calls a zomba, and her new best friend, a boy named Kabir. So, you yeah. know, all of that, I'm very, very careful that I create this, and with every new book, I don't want mm. the universe to be static, okay? Mm. Mm. So there'll be teachers coming and going. There'll be children coming and going. My fourth book is actually largely set at a camping site because Mr. Bakshi is so disturbed by events that are happening in this class, how they are doing odd things all the time and, you know, causing problems that he decides that on the first day of their new year, of their standard seven, he will send them off for a camping trip and all hell breaks loose because there are a bunch of loonies in her class. Yeah. So I do. So I have the universe very, very clear in my head, and then I try to tweak it to add interest and uh, fun. Hmm. But 
keep the characters and keep the relationships and all very recognized. Of course, dynamic. Everything yeah. changes. Yeah. So there's Nimi. There will be kids that Nimi never spoke to in her in book number one, and by book number four, she's very friendly with them or very unfriendly with them. Huh. You know, whatever. Yes, yeah, so I'm a big believer in creating the setting very, very carefully. Yeah, and and yeah. should be relatable, like you said. Absolutely. So let me tell you about my horror book, Saira Zaribaga is Afraid. Now, uh, briefly before I moved back to my Kolkata house, my husband and I lived in an old building in an area named Dada. So you know, it's a very sweet middle class area, but you could see the potential there for scary things to happen. You know. The houses were very close to each other. So you could look into your neighbor's house. The mm. walls were very thick, so sometimes you felt that if everything was shut, nobody would even hear you. You would scream. Um, and you know, half the time the stairwell was dark. The lights would be flickering and off. So for me, came this perfect place for a horror story, horror book. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm very very particular about my settings. No, I I can see that because uh, if if a author can connect to a book or can or can put emotions or the surroundings in which they are so i i believe the surroundings and circumstances inspires them to write about something particular right you are absolutely right yeah yeah, yeah. But in fact of many book reviews of my books the reviewers will always remark that in in uh, in this particular book mumbai is like a character it's not yeah. a backdrop it is an active uh, Player in the narrative and you know is actively involved in something, and that makes me very happy. Correct, correct. And because whoever is reading it, whether they are from Delhi, Mumbai, Bangalore, or they're sitting in Dubai, if they can feel it, they can get the yeah. vibe while reading it. Then nothing better is there. No, I totally agree. And you know, when I read detective books, say set in Shanghai or a book set in Berlin or whatever, it it, it does not have to be your city. You can feel that world. Correct. Correct. You can transplant yourself there. You can hmm. literally, in a way, take a plane and fly there in your head, and you're there. Then you are actually the character who is there, who who is observing everyone. They're seeing everything happening in the book by your eyes, just by standing there. No, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah, and in a way, that is what I want to do. I don't know. I mean, the writers I mentioned, you know, people like uh, Michael Connolly, who writes so much about LA, or um, Okay. Uh, you know the great uh, Inspector Rebus series mm. set in uh, Edinburgh. I mean, they are gifted in creating mm. that world. Yeah, I I'm not there, but I do aspire to make Mumbai to give Mumbai its due. You know, yeah, to, to make it sort of to show the world that it is a magnificent place because it gets such a bad rap so often. Correct. Clubs and dirt and grey buildings and traffic jams, but also magic. That's that. I believe madism, traffic jams, and every other small issues because everyone loves Mumbai and they want to live in that city only. <laughs> that I think that is why there's so many people out there living in Mumbai. True, true. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. yeah. So, Shabnam, if I have to ask you the exact writing steps. Like if if a budding author writer is there who want to jump into this field of writing kids book, what are the steps they need to follow and things to be keep kept in mind, and some particular challenges they may face for writing kids because there there are some barriers or restriction in the languages, the words, the framing of sentences, and you know uh, introducing how many how many elements of they can in- introduce it to them and problems. And what all they can understand in that particular age level or the mindset of they have. So, what are the process and challenges? So, uh, yeah. So, I always I do a lot of writing workshops for children, and the one thing I tell children is that ideas are everywhere around, hmm. and you should not be sitting and waiting for this perfect idea to arrive in your lap with a big red ribbon and pink wrapping paper. It's not going to yeah. happen. But you have to be vigilant. Right? Keep your eyes open. Look at the world around you. Look at the newspapers. Look at You know everything that you're reading and seeing, hmm. and somewhere in there there are lots and lots of ideas. So I suggest, always suggest that writers keep a book where they jot down observations, ideas, a fragment of a story, because you just yeah. never know what will grow into something big. For example, I told you about what Maya. So it started with one, literally thirty seconds of panic. 
Mm. And it was so easy to have lost it, but it remained and it sort of grew into a book that was 80,000 words long. So one thing is not waiting for the perfect idea, but just starting. And that is really my process. So if something little happens in my life, I put it down and I think, now from here where? So for example, Saira Zaripada is afraid. It was born out of something so small. My daughter, older daughter, when she turned 12, she wanted a phone. Hmm. And I was quite a strict mom. So first I kept saying no. Finally, I succumbed and said, Chalo, let's get her a phone. So she got her phone. Then, of course, she wanted her phone number. So my husband went to the phone shop and he wanted one of those numbers that would spell her name, you know, with the alphabet pad. Okay. Yeah. The shop kept saying, no, don't have, nahi hai. And he kept saying, please check on your computer. And finally, they gave him a number. Now, I don't think it was entirely wise because the number she got, all the messages and all the calls she was getting were for somebody called Vishesh, some stranger. And strange messages. Like, Vishesh, where are you? Vishesh, you didn't land up at the party. What's going on? Vishesh, you're getting seriously worried about you. Uh, Vishesh, are you hosting me? Have I done something? Obviously, this Vishesh had vanished. Yeah. Now, my doctor was getting irritated. And I was getting very interested. One <laughs> Sunday afternoon, the phone rang. And it was a woman. And she was screaming at my daughter. Vishesh, what's Priya, this is Priya, mommy. And I am so upset. Everybody's asking me where you are. You don't even tell your own mommy. And you vanish. Not answer any of my calls. My daughter got really hassled, disconnected the call, and blocked via mom. I thought, I mean, this is seriously interesting. Where could Vishesh have gone? Yeah. And I was Googling away. And there were all kinds of people saying, Vishesh, we are only sorry about what happened to Tariq. So I started to Google Vishesh and Tariq. Couldn't find anything. So I thought, okay, if I cannot find what happened to Vishesh and Tariq, let me create a story. And so I started. And all I had in my head was one chapter. Okay, Saira getting a phone and all the calls coming for some stranger called Akash. But from that little idea, I kept sort of thinking, and then what? And then what? Where could Akash have gone? Where could Akash have gone? And from that, I got a whole fat 100,000 word horror book, which uh, turned out to be quite very popular. Because Saira decides to play detective and try and mm. find out where Akash has gone. Yeah. And in a way, using her phone, she's stepping into Akash's world, which is not mm. entirely wise. Because there are other people looking for Akash who are really not nice people. But so, but what I'm trying to say is sometimes your idea comes in a tiny piece or a tiny fragment. Yeah. But to hold on to it, to grab it, and to build on it is in a way an art. Now, there are writers who are very, very systematic, like Arundhati Roy. I think before she started, God of Sneakers had an entire structure in place. You know, Correct. almost like a diagram. I'm yeah. a very haphazard writer. So I will, you know, very often my narrative just lurches day to day. And mm. I introduce characters and I don't even know who they are. I mean, I know that they're the character, but I don't know what bigger role they will play or why they are there. And that will work out slowly, slowly, sometimes sitting in a traffic jam. An idea will come and say, okay, now I know why he is in my book. Literally. Um, literally, sometimes I write an entire book and think, okay, it's not scary enough. It's not spooky enough. And so I go back and start and introduce an entire new character that comes in very small, but later plays a very unpleasant role. So there are many different processes of writing. I guess once you have your story in place, hmm. you would then approach a publishing. Hmm. And that is for me the really frightening process. Um, when I finished Six Pen Makers, uh, I didn't have any contacts with the publishing world. I didn't know what to do. So I did, I guess, sort of what most new writers do. And I sent my manuscript to all the publishers who seem to publish children's fiction. So the big four or five. Hachette, uh, Scholastic, HarperCollins. That, um, I think, uh, largely, I think at that point there was Red Turtle. So I just yeah. sent in stuff to them. Mm. It was really lucky. I mean, I've heard stories from other writers saying that they've not heard back from publishers for like six months and eight months. But what happened to me was there was a young editor at Hershey and one afternoon she had nothing to do. So she went into what they call the slush heap. You know, that's the, the email account where everybody sends in their pitches. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so she was just looking through. She stumbled upon my book. She contacted me and said, "Look, so how you do it is you send the first three chapters yeah, yeah. and the synopsis." Hmm. So that's what I had said. Um, she wrote back to me and she said, "Look, I like the first three chapters. Uh, will you send me the entire book?" So I sent her the book, and I thought, "Okay, now don't get too excited. I'm not going to hear from." Within a week, the contract was signed. It was just unbelievable. I could not believe it. And my editor kept saying, "Listen, I will be editing." I said, "No problem. You know, it's my first book. I don't even know." Finally, it wasn't edited so much. What she really wanted was chapter one and chapter two to be swapped, and she didn't like my type. I went with all her advice, and the book, well, it was born. It became fairly popular. Uh, and uh, worked, you know, across schools in Mumbai. Many picked it up as we girls did. So yeah, so you turn lucky or you turn unlucky. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is the other publishers never got back to me. Then after three months, I got an email from Penguin saying we are considering your book. So I wrote back to them and said I'm sorry, my book is sold. <laughs> But it is so touch and go. You know, I mean, there's every chance nobody would have touched with me, yeah. and my children's writing would have died then and then. The thing is to say, don't lose hope. There are many more publishers out here than there yeah. were then. The publishing world has exploded. There are more people, and there are very accessible and wonderful publishers like Speedy Tiger. Hmm. You know, hmm. They do children's books under the Tommy Tabe imprint. Correct. There are just more people looking for books. Yeah. And so, in a way, we are all in a happier world. Yeah. And then once one or two books click, you know, everything is easy, easier. And and any any particular challenge in this case while you you're writing for kids, what is the trickiest part in that case? I do think the trickiest part is marketing. Yeah? Okay, in in the so, writing process. In the writing process, I, yeah. So in the writing process, I think it's just important to have a couple of children read what you've written. Okay, that is just really really important hmm. uh, because uh, you know inadvertently you do make a mistake. So, hmm. so in my uh, book called Strange Haunting of Model High School, there were these three girls who were crazy about that band that was very big then called One Direction. Hmm. So I kept writing about them, talking about One Direction, and then my daughters read it and they frowned at me and said, "Mummy, nobody says One Direction. You have to say One D." <laughs> I honestly, you know, it's a tiny thing, but it's yeah. the huge difference between speaking the lingo and not speaking the lingo. Correct. Yeah. So I do. That is just very important. Else is important. The, the language is needs to be elements and to be yeah. a little simpler than you would for adults. But I don't believe in oversimplifying and dumping down. I think okay. children are they're very capable, smart enough, and they will pick up their dictionary if they like the story enough. They're going to. I've watched my daughters. I've watched my daughter's friends. They like and dictionaries are so much easier to use now. I mean, it's yeah. all online. You just go click, click, and you're done. And they check. So, yeah. and I do believe part of the joy of writing is keeping certain words alive. Mm. And I love uh, introducing words you may not use all the time. You know, befuddle, boggle, words like yeah. that are not there. But why not? And correct, correct. when I go to schools, I always talk. So my Nimi series has a lot of words in it because Nimi mm. loves words. She's a collector of words, and where she uh, doesn't find the right word, she'll create a word. Yeah. So all the books have. So the first book is Nimi's spectacular school days. So spectacular and fabulous. Yeah. Uh, Nimi's dreadfantastic detective days. So dreadful and fantastic. Nimi's bizarre birthday. So that was bizarre and super. So yeah. The publishers were a little worried now. Will children understand bizarre? It's not a word that children use. So never mind. Let's try. And the children are totally fine with it. They find it quite exciting, in fact. And now Nilly's crawful camping days is just uh, on its way out. So that is uh, crazy and awful. Yeah. <laughs> I can I can relate to this because when I used to write Hindi scripts, na, so I used to add this Anand. Manoranjan yeah. and all those things. So people used to say, "Who talks in this language nowadays?" When you say Anand and Manoranjan, I feel like yes, you're right. But I don't know. I I feel like putting these words into there because if you have some uh, some new words or let's say 
less spoken words in your script or in in, in a book that makes it a little bit more attractive like we like oh anand oh manuranjan it, it is there a, like and it may create some uh, interest or curiosity what is bizarre what is bizuper yeah. and and yeah. just to know that they could have they can read that book absolutely yeah. so i totally totally agree so it is in my in a small way just introducing different words to children so yeah. the words are so lovely Correct. and to talk on these beautiful words to die yeah and you don't want kids to be so lazy that they will only use words like oh this is cool eh this is crazy children are not that we imagine but they're not yeah that is that that way they won't expand their dictionary they won't understand yeah. ki acha okay this yeah. is also a word which yeah. we do not use nowadays but this is a word a word and sentences also i try to keep the sentences short there are times when i do longer sentences and see little bit of a challenge Yeah. Look, if you read older books like William, you know my yeah. Rachel Crompton, my absolute favorite children's books. Okay? But this very naughty schoolboy called William, and uh, he gets into all kinds of trouble. The language is difficult. The sentences are long, but once you get into William, and once you yeah. love him, you will do a sentence that lasts a page if necessary to know what happens to him. So okay. I think it's a combination of making your characters engaging. It's a combination of making the plots interesting, but throwing these little challenges along the way. Yeah, and books are the way for development, for growth. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. if they can, if they can learn from it, that is the main concept of reading, whether absolutely. it's for adults or for kids. The concept is the same. Yeah, and while I believe that reading is or is really really for pleasure. I don't yeah. think just not understanding a word or finding something unfamiliar affects your pleasure. It just enhances your curiosity. Your yeah, makes it more intriguing. Correct, correct. That's that's very true. Shabnam, the last question that you have written many books. Have you received any any kind of review that is a, that is your readers, kids, and that has inspired you, helped you, or you remember that particular review from that particular kid, and you um, still know that. Many, many. Once, uh, one dad bought a book of mine, and he gave it to his daughter. And he was very nervous, so he came to me and he said, "What will this book teach my child?" It was six pen makers, and I said, "Really, it's a fun book." And but maybe it will teach your child that sometimes if you believe in something and really want something badly hmm. and work towards it, the world, the universe will help you to get. So yeah. don't give up hope. So it's a small message. The dad said, "Fine," and he took the book. And two, three weeks later, I got an email from his daughter, and she said, "Auntie, I finished reading your book in a day. All my friends have read your book. We love the book. And now our favorite game when we go downstairs is playing Nivi and Sarita and Bimli Trees. Nivi and Sarita save the Bimli Trees, and my <laughs> entire building complex is playing that game. So I think that was great fun. Then, in one of my books, I wrote about cricket. So one little boy got very alarmed. He thought this, you know, this mummy is writing about cricket, and I'm worried that she doesn't know her thing. So he wrote me two whole pages of the rules of cricket. Auntie, I want to give you all the rules of cricket. So in your next book, I request you to write more cricket, oh. and you can you can phone me if you are confused about any rules, and I will help you through the whole process. <laughs> It was too cute. Yeah, I th- I think when you work with kids now, or you work for kids. these sweet memories you know gets filled up with the baskets and every the thing but basket is the full of memories and sweet memories totally. cute memories totally you know whenever i do a nimi session at the school there will be three little girls waiting after the session and they come to me and say hanji can we talk to you i say yeah sure no hanji my best friend kavita she stopped being my best friend we sat for two weeks or so Now I have another best friend, but I still miss Kavita. Just that maybe this is Sophia. Every, you know, it's. I realized, you know, I just wrote a book. I realized, in a way, it is such a major tragedy in the life of a little girl to lose her best friend. Yeah. And it just touched. I viewed Nimi as a funny, lighthearted book. In these children, it was giving them a message, and you know, it just makes you feel happy, and it makes you feel, you know, in a way, you're doing the right thing. Sometimes you okay. don't know. Sometimes you hope, but yeah. and sometimes it totally depends upon the readers how they are receiving it. Absolutely, absolutely. 
any any last message you would like to give to the aspiring authors out there who want to be in the field of writing for kids any message you know just write i think just don't allow anything to come in the way of writing don't say oh today i don't have an idea or today i have a block or today i'm not in the mood make sure that your story progresses a little every day so you don't feel your block keep remembering what things were like when you were a child how you felt when you were a child and i think remember that writing for children writing indian books for indian children uh it's a powerful thing you know we all grew up with books that were set in another world and hmm. you know that gave us a very strange message made us believe that all the magic all the adventures all the mr pink whistles and the magic faraway things and the river dames and all were elsewhere and that we lived in a world without adventure and magic and i believe writing indian books for indian children gives the message that there is magic in adventure wherever you are and i feel that is very I I think you said it right. Uh, the magic is there, and it is very important to put it down in a paper, and the readers can feel it. That is the true concept of writing, and the readers can feel it. Then there's nothing better than that. Absolutely. Yeah. And thank you so much. This was so much fun. I hope thank you enjoyed it, and your and your listeners too. I enjoyed a lot. I I think my my listeners will definitely enjoy this, yeah. and will also learn. uh a little bit we got to got from you the storytelling thing the way you were explaining things was the, like how did you explain this to kids and and i think now i can feel why kids connected uh, fe- feel so easily connected with you when they come and explain their problems you know <laughs> auntie this happened that happened in a so personalized way as if you are their uh, you know peer peer group <laughs> yeah. so so that is that is too good and we really enjoyed this session this is such an insightful session um i learned so many things listeners have also learned so many things and they will definitely put it on you know execution and will be one of oh, could be children's author inspired from shabnam thank you yeah thank so you much. so much thank you so much for sharing your experiences thank you lovely